Welcome to Orion Valley. Hello, I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies. Chris Keedy joins the podcast today as we attempt to make our conversation in one entire take, with a few visual cuts sprinkled in. See if you can catch them. That's right, we're talking about Alejandro Gonzalez, Inaritu's 2014 Best Picture winning, decade-defining movie, Birdman, or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. All right, Chris Keedy is here, continuing the trend of having former professors from SUNY Broom on the show. You were my intro to video professor, intro to television production, and intermediate or advanced video um, production. A lot of classes mm-hmm. with you. Um, and you chose Birdman. Uh, tell me why <laughs> Why you chose, why did you choose Birdman? Well, I, I, <laughs> tell me why. So I chose Birdman because I, I was lucky enough to have uh, um, a semester where I taught a contemporary film analysis um, section. Uh, or a couple sections of it, and we ch- we went with this this film at that time to fit in like uh, our curriculum, and we were talking about the hero's journey, and um, I enjoyed it. it. Was like the first time I'd seen it. It was I don't remember the semester. It was maybe uh, two years ago now. Um, so it was still I guess it wasn't new, but it was the first time I'd seen it, and I enjoyed it. Um, I got to tell you, the more I watch it, I don't, I'm not as big of a fan as I was when I first watched it. I do like it. It's a uh-huh. good film, but I imagine we'll probably no, talk that, about it. That's good, though, because, I mean, this is probably the first time where we've had someone come on where it, the the opinion of it has kind of gone sure. down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like that's going to be... Not significant. No, no, it's like, it's, it, no, it's fine. Like, yeah. um, I saw this movie <laughs> when it first came out, and I, I remember seeing the trailer for it. And I like the trailer. I don't know if you've ever seen the trailer. The trailer's very, it's black and white. It's very artsy. It's got this like violin music and it's the scene where he floats up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that, that was kind of interesting. And my friend was like, yeah, it looks like it's going to be a cool like indie movie. And, it, and I didn't know anything about it. I was like, I didn't know about the story. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, there's like these actors in it. I'm in. And yeah. then I saw it. And I, I, it was one of those movies where it was just like, as soon as it was over, I saw it with my friend, we were both like, I want to watch it again. Like, yeah. <laughs> honestly, like, it, it's so it was so much fun like yeah. i had such a fun time watching it it's got the it's got those theme, like those themes in it where you want to go back and because like once you start realizing i think what's going on or i i i you know once you start seeing some, uh, you know with with his his magic powers and stuff like that you start i think the more it goes on the more you realize like what it's getting at mm-hmm. and you want to go back and and like you know place what you know at the end at the beginning like that was that this is a good one to rewatch for sure oh absolutely that was one thing i wanted to bring up is that like the i wasn't expect when it ended i wasn't expecting it to be as for me as fun as it was and Mm -hmm. i definitely didn't expect it i watched it today for it to be as rewatchable i've seen this movie like 10 times now and just each time i keep coming back to it and just like something new there's more to discover and um i i it's only five years old. <laughs> like, right, isn't yeah. that crazy? Yeah, like, it, crazy. it seems like it's a movie that came out even like so, like so long ago. Just for how much has happened in the last five years. Um, I don't know. I thought it, to me, it seems it, it still seems n- new. I, I don't know. It just maybe maybe it's just my because like uh, all the actors that are in it are still pretty like yeah, relevant. True, yeah. They're still like big for like I, I don't know. Maybe that maybe they're just on their own kind of renaissance, their own high right now. But like I don't know. It, it seems because because when I think about this movie, I think a lot about. Michael Keaton, because it is about him, mm-hmm. in you know, in reality, kind of in a way, 
So when I think about it in terms of like a, a timeline, I think when I, I think of old movies and what this is asso- like associating Birdman with was this original Batman, yeah. obviously. And, um, you know, it still seems new in mm-hmm. that regard because I imagine it's something he's. Oh, yeah, uh, for sure. And know. it's like I when I was watching, I was like, I knew, you know, everyone who's in it. And it just seems like they caught every actor like just the right time to do this. That's movie. True. So like Michael Keaton, this was his like resurgence movie. And yeah, he, he at this point he was doing, you know, he had Toy Story 3 and then he did like the RoboCop remake. He was in this kind of weird limbo just state. At the time. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, and then he comes out and just does this out of nowhere. And it's like, oh, where's that? And then Emma right. Stone uh, was doing, That's- you know, like Easy A and The Help and like Gangster Squad. Big movies, but yeah. nothing that really was like. Um, this was like a standout Emma mm-hmm. Stone performance. Zach yeah. Galifianakis had already established himself, and so did Edward Norton. But there was something about this movie that kind of separated it from everyone else's from the rest of their performances throughout any of their careers. Yeah. Um, I just feel I like agree. that everyone is doing something um, different than what we already had established them with. So we like we know Michael Keaton as the superhero guy, and I guess we could see that. But this one, he has like a troubled. Um, like a troubled being, yeah. Zach Galifianakis is actually the person who's keeping everything together and not fucking it up. Right, right. Um, like, a, like he is in every other yeah. movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> and it's also it's interesting because he's 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 so a comedian at core, and mm-hmm. and the, but in this one he's it's funny, but he's he pulls off that drama pretty well. Oh yeah, he's know? he's fantastic. <laughs> and Emma Stone is like <laughs> really complex and has like some very interesting things to say about the overall theme of the movie. Yeah, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But I. I think that that's one of the strengths of this movie and what Alejandro Gonzalez and Ritu did really well is that like gave these um, actors material that like pushed them against type in a way and kind of like had them give them more range um, I feel and every performance that I just think is just stand out. Yeah I, I agree yeah I mean it's it's a the, everyone is in a unique role mm-hmm. except for maybe like Ed Norton feels like that's that's just right up his alley. Well, that's the thing is like it's based on how his like how he's perceived by many other actors in Hollywood as being oh, very really? abrasive and hard to work with. Oh, and, I didn't know that. Yeah, so it was Ed Norton's perceived that way. Apparently, oh. and so he's like he's got that reputation, and Inari to gave him the script, and he's like, oh yeah, this is like I got it, and he's like, okay, like all right, I'll do it, and apparently he's like he's out of his mind. Like he's, so, how, other than like so, so Michael Keaton and Ed Norton. Like it's framed around their careers, then to a degree. I mean, if that if you're in saying that about Ed Norton, I mean, is there anyone else that, in, that is? I'm not sure, but I know that like the basic the basis for this movie was that Inaritu wanted to do something about the ego, which yeah. I mean is all over this sure. movie, and like how he was in this weird state of um, what he should do next. Because I mean, at this point, he had already done um, Babel, which was a big bigger American movie with Brad Pitt and Kate Blanchett. He wasn't wasn't really sure what was going to happen next, and. He wanted to do something focused on the ego, mm-hmm. and he started getting this idea of this actor going to do um, like a show in in New York, and it kind of just the way the characters came together and the like getting all of the actors together just kind of worked out that way. Um, but I think that the Michael Keaton story is just kind of interwoven in there because it's so apparent. You know, mm-hmm. he's the superhero. He's you know had this like kind of delayed career, and they even mentioned in the movie. You know, it's like. The last thing, time I did a superhero movie was 1992, and that's when Batman Returns. Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> like when they reference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so I think it's more based around Michael Keaton. Um, yeah. In just like overall story, because I mean, that's the. I mean, Michael Keaton is just the standout in this movie, and you could tell that he knows where all of this is coming from. It's coming from a very personal place, mm-hmm. and he, like, you believe him every scene that he's in. I feel, and yeah. I, it's 
and it's so well written in that sense too because it feels like just overall i mean granted yes there's like some kind of magical power thing going on it uh, on the surface but like everything in it just seems like it's a real story like overall sure. like you you hear stories all the time about actors like this actor's coming to broadway and you're like oh i didn't know that actor was doing anything right, anymore yeah, like what <laughs> <laughs> oh i remember him in this and like that happens all the time to careers mm-hmm. so yeah. it, i feel like in that sense it's kind of rooted in this true hollywood um or new york story that we've seen do, do you think that he is like how how much of this do you i mean obviously it's a movie but how much of it how much of this struggle do you think he goes through in real life like do you think it actually really i mean he's had a pretty successful career so yeah. i imagine he's not like i mean i've seen him in interviews he seems fairly down to earth and chill yeah. like he because he's like, i remember when this movie came out he was doing actually it was before this movie came out he did an interview with like cbs and he's like yeah i have a ranch in like wyoming and i like kind of hang out with my son and you know, he seems Living very happy life. yeah and he like it's I mean, not like he has been void of yeah i mean, I mean he's, he's he was doing you know like two movies a year but yeah. like none of them were super his best out. his best role other guys <laughs> he's great oh my god he's unbelievable in that that's the greatest role ever terry you might want to uh, they put some like wood paneling on your gun you might want to write him a thank you note <laughs> someone put some uh, linseed oil stain yeah. on that uh, you might want to write him a thank you note uh, the, my favorite line in that is when he goes um uh oh the new bath mats are in it's like oh there's a cedar rapist in the cedar heights oh uh for brian that's my other job well don't ignore it it's uh you, if you live in cedar heights you want to travel in packs you know? <laughs> he well, don't is ignore really... it if you live in cedar heights just you know yeah he would uh, it's another great thing about michael keaton is that he can be so funny yeah and also to be like super heartfelt and you're like oh my god like i'm really feeling for you but he's also fucking hilarious yeah is he in any other comedies where he breaks out i mean i mean he was in like in the early 80s he was in mr mom which is a big oh, yeah, comedy okay, yeah, yeah. um a lot of those movies I mean, he was a stand-up comedian before he became an actor was he really yeah oh my god yeah, Josh I, I, like, the encyclopedia <laughs> movie, so that's a, that's awesome I, I totally forgot about that until just this moment so thank you for i had I, no idea yeah so like if you go back and watch this early stand-up he's got like so much energy and he's like moving around the See, stage now i'm gonna go back and watch batman and yeah. just be like man he's just he, he's like i mean he i can well, from what i can remember he's he is acting well in it but it, i mean he's got to be like such a flat performance because you got to be so dry. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's a very it really different... doesn't like give him the mm-hmm. opportunity to branch out at all. It's a very different performance. And I mean, there's the scene in Batman where he like freaks out at Jack Nicholson. And he's like, you want to get nuts? So there's like that. Yeah, that's true. But like, can you picture anyone else in this role um, doing with, with the same like kind of past? Because I mean, other movies where we've seen someone have that um, the career drop off and then that resurgence. So the mm-hmm. first thing that comes to mind to me is like, you know, Mickey Rourke and the wrestler okay. had this kind of like very big career in the eighties and the nineties and then yeah. bottom of the barrel. And then 2009 comes around and he does the wrestler and gets nominated and as everyone's like, this is the big new Mickey yeah. Rourke performance. And he's incredible in that movie. But like, can you picture anyone else in this role? Like is, could someone else fit it? Do you think? I don't know. I mean, it, I mean the, the, the prerequisite to that is you've had to have done a, a superhero movie, right? Of some <laughs> well, and like it doesn't necessarily have to be that, or but just, like someone who like was big at one point, sure, like very like household name, hmm. but then kind of dropped off for a little bit, and then comes back and does That's this. Question. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to think about that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, it's tough. Like, and someone who has like is like high caliber sure. level of acting, yeah. like Michael Keaton can do. You got to kind of scout. I'm scouring the '80s in my mind. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> like, of roles, but I, I you know, Steve I Gutenberg or something. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. There you go. Oh my god. Um, you know what, Steve Gutenberg? And this is a, I have no idea if this is even relevant to it, but for some reason, 
Tim Skinner has an obsession with bringing up who is my uh, who is my coworker at Broom mm. and also a former professor of yours uh, has an obsession with bringing up Steve Gutenberg on a regular basis. He just brings up that name. I've, all I've the definitely time. heard him bring it up. It's so yeah. weird. It's weird because that name just I, I haven't I haven't seen the guy in a movie in yeah ten never, years yeah. twenty years. And uh, for some reason, that name comes up all the time. That's a very Tim Skinner thing Tim, to bring up, Tim, though, because he's very 80s driven. Yeah, so. that's, what, that's what it is. Tim is 80s driven. Yeah. He's bringing up three men he and a baby to, quotes. Like, yeah, all, all the time. <laughs> stuff like that. Tim loves the song Africa, and I can't stand it. Oh, God. So, yeah, oh, that Tim's living in the 80s. <laughs> um, so this movie comes out in 2014 and um, gets critical um, praise, um, garners a fair amount of box office revenue. I wouldn't say it's a hit, but it's like an independent movie. Um, gets eight Oscar nominations, winning four, including Best Adapted Screenplay, um, Best Cinematography, which we'll talk about in a little bit because that's like kind of one of the key roles in the movie, mm-hmm. Best Direction for Inaritu, and Best Picture. I was honestly surprised when this movie won Best Picture in 2015 because it was, it was again, the big one that I thought was going to win was Boyhood. Oh yeah, um, okay. Richard Linklater's mm-hmm. movie, um, and it seemed like that movie was much more. And I don't want to put this movie down, but like seemed like a big accomplishment. Sure. And I love this movie more, but it seemed like those are two big, pretty big movies yeah. that come out that well, year. I, I kind of think that that's that's part of my. Not, I, I guess that kind of leads into a little bit of my criticism of it because it's so. It's kind of pretentious. This movie, it's <laughs> so Hollywood. You know what I mean? Even though it's New York and it's Broadway, it's kind of like self. You know what I want to say? Like, like it's 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 all a, about the theater. You know what I mean? Like it's it's uh, it's actors acting actors. You know it's mm-hmm. it's. I feel like uh, it won probably because it's relatable to the Academy, not mm-hmm. because of its. And I'm not saying it's a bad movie, mm-hmm. but I I, uh, I don't can't remember the quote, but somebody somebody said, you know, Hollywood loves itself. You know what I mean? No, that's so, very true. No, definitely it loves. It definitely like there's like movies like Wag the Dog or you know like there's a lot of movies out there that are about Hollywood like sure. we just have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood Tarantino's movie that came yeah. out and like it's getting so oh, much praise but like everyone's I haven't seen it but everyone's gonna love yeah that, sure, it's right? um but that I mean that's very true um the the but what I love the this time watching it was a little different for me because I was trying to uh, I was like tapping more into like stuff I hadn't picked up before and sure. I I didn't realize the more um. Well, we're gonna get in. Let's get into kind of the. Let's get into some scenes and what the story is about. Sure. Um. What do you think? What a, a brief synopsis of this movie would be. A brief synopsis. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I don't know. I, I could have written one ahead of time. <laughs> I uh, I, a man struggles with his um, his uh, uh, past and mm-hmm. his uh, his attempt at becoming relevant again and mm-hmm. his ego. Yeah, um, so Michael Keaton plays um, Regan Thompson, who was um, big for the Birdman movies in the 90s, this fake franchise that's based on the Batman series, um, who has had kind of this washed-up career and uh, is trying to put this play on Broadway based on a Raymond um, Carver novel, and it's all kind of following following falling apart, and you follow him throughout the, these next three days or so. That's another thing I guess I didn't fully realize is this movie takes place in such a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the timeline is kind of thrown out. That you, don't really, it really is, yeah. um, you don't really notice it that much. Well, there's um, some suspension of reality when it flows from scene to scene, mm-hmm. um, yeah, for which sure. is also part of the, the cinematography. Uh-huh, yeah, which, I mean, that we should just get into that right now. Um, Emmanuel Lubetsky did the cinematography for this movie, and they filmed it as though it's all one continuous shot, almost like... Um, Rope, uh, Alfred Hitchcock's film, uh, only using 16 distinct 
um, visual cuts throughout the entire movie. There's other hidden ones. Um, I didn't know that going into this movie. Did you know that? Did I know that, that the cinematography was going to be one all one shot? I, I knew. Well, I yeah. I, I only knew when I. Um, I don't know when I found that out. I didn't rush. I didn't see it in theaters initially, mm-hmm. so I think I had heard about it, and that's what I had heard about it was that it was, you know, one long shot, and I kind of thought that it was just going to be. I was I I was immediately like, oh okay, well that's going to be its gimmick. You know what I mean? Like it's not going to be good. It's just going to be like a long shot movie. Which not to say you know, not to say movies are bad that way, but I thought it was going to be, you know, that was its only, mm-hmm. you know. Like, like it's only hitch like it's yeah, only cool that's thing, why people know? liked it right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no i got you um i hadn't seen a movie that had done that other than rope i didn't see a modern movie that had done that. oh like in its um, entirety yeah like, in its yeah, entirety yeah. i mean um, other i love some scenes that like other filmmakers you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. yeah like i always uh I, I even i bring up children of men all the time it's the same cinematography in uh yeah and mm-hmm. in, in in class and uh that you know and and I don't even bring up that that chase scene. I bring up the the end scene. The end scene is my favorite of Children too, of Men. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just there's so much stuff going on. It's so, it's like you know, it's it's unbelievable. Mm. And um, those two movies, like this and Children of Men, are like they like are the reason why Lubetsky is my personal favorite cinematographer. Yeah. He like well he like did a really good job. He mastered Steadicam mm-hmm. and did it in a way that like it's not shaky. It's like just enough like it where it has some shake to it, but not overtly um doesn't distract from the yeah scene. it's not right. distracting yeah. it's actually like smooth and it like sure. adds more like emotion and suspense to mm-hmm. it um with this it's very flowing and moves pretty straightforward and it actually kind of adds more to the pacing because to me when i watch this it like it's always moving yeah like, i am like personally like never bored because of how it's moving between that and the the drum beat and the, like the music like so Pace is huge in my, even in my intro, like when I teach, even in my intro to video classes, like pace is massive because it's such a difficult thing to like, um, like I think, I think when students start out, they, they, they don't think about pace. They think about, you know, basic editing and cutting and stuff like that. So later on in the semester, I always, I always really hammer on that and, and, um, you know, uh, uh, and what I usually hammer on is like the fast cuts in music is what, is what keeps pace. And what's so cool is like. In this case, where you don't have cuts, you have that camera shake and movement, which keeps that it's constantly like flowing. Like you said, it doesn't it doesn't ever get boring, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, like some movies can when they pace slows way down. And, and you know, so, yeah, they, they do a great job of that. And it, it's always like it's funny a movie like this because it's counter to what I teach. Like I'm always like, you know, I'm all the time. I'm like, I'm like, come on, like more cuts for the scene. Like you have to like. You have to pace for what the feel of the scene is, and in this one, there's no cuts at all, yeah. and it's just based on drum and movement of camera, and mm-hmm. uh, and you know, it's like a you know, just a whole different way of doing it. It's awesome. Have you ever had a student try and do a one shot? Um, no, short? but to, but it only really because we've never really had the equipment until recently to like steady cam. I, I also want to say that I love just the way this movie starts. You see this. Um, meteorite or just like coming down on earth oh yeah and then it just immediately cuts to him levitating levitating yeah in the air and it's and you hear the the voiceover of michael keaton like how did we get here yeah it smells like balls <laughs> <laughs> i was going to write that down and i forgot because it starts with a it starts with a meteorite and i had to i was gonna try to think more on that and i forgot to write it down but i i, I guess what's the significance there well, I always thought it was kind of like if 
if he is like in some way if it, that was like kind of like the superhero thing he's like kind of crashing down yeah and falling star type yeah of the thing. falling star type yeah. of thing and it was during this period like they started off where he was already falling he had mm-hmm. already been falling for so much time and he was already on fire that like and he was so close to hitting rock bottom. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Like, because so he's that's close. Where they are now. He's so close cut to, to him. Yeah, and then, and yeah, then he I starts yeah. do, doing the. And it, now he's in like kind of this stillness period of like, mm-hmm. um, something that's fast moving. And then he's still he's kind of in this limbo mm-hmm. um, area because we he doesn't even know how this play is going to go. Like everything right, seemingly yeah. to go wrong. I mean, like his actor gets he like makes a light fall on his actor <laughs> and like he's going to cancel previews and um you know, when that happens, the the light falling, it seem it feels like it's going to go a different direction mm-hmm. cuz he brings it up to Zach Galifianakis. He's like he's like I made that light fall. Yeah. And he's like what are you, you know, what are you drunk? Yeah. What are you drunk? <laughs> uh but then then the the superpower thing just becomes this underlying theme mm-hmm. like he doesn't like push it on other people throughout the movie yeah it's like only did then. It's, it's only, only then i that was one thing I, I like about well first of all there's some good dialogue in that scene because uh when he's like uh uh you gotta find me someone else that guy's the worst actor i've ever seen the blood out of his ears is the most honest performance he's ever given <laughs> zach alvinak is just like it's not that bad and they pause it's like God, God, right, fucking he's terrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's the thing that pairs great with the cinematography is the dialogue moves yeah. very quickly. It's very that's well true. written. I thought that scene particular, in particular, too. Like Zach Galifianakis was, um, was really good. Like he he was, um, he was dramatic. Like he, sh- you know what I mean? But yeah. like not. I don't know. I, he he wasn't like a goofball. He was yeah. like, I mean, and he's good at being the goofball. But he's like here. He is literally someone who's pushing. He says later, he's like, I'm the only one keeping this thing together. Yeah, and literally, he is. He's the producer, and he's making sure everything tries and goes as smoothly as possible. He kind of fit that producer stereotype, maybe too well. Because he was kind of like <laughs> uppity and like and like, well, you got to do this. And, yeah, <laughs> um, but also dramatic about it. Uh-huh. You know? I don't yeah, know. very good. Um, <laughs> we should talk about. Um, I, I really want to talk about the powers that he has because this kind of gets into one thing that I noticed about the movie this time is that (coughs) the movie does a really good job of showing you something that's kind of big metaphorical um, supernatural in some way and then does something afterwards that grounds it in reality and the main example I can give is there's two one is remember that scene this is a little later when he's messing up the entire room and mm-hmm. he's just like he's like i'm rigging fucking thompson he's like throwing everything down yeah and then zach alfanakis comes in and he's just throwing stuff right i was thinking like all of that is basically just in his head and he's actually is just throwing it down oh and yeah that's kind of like to show the audience like okay this is what's actually happening yeah. but that i feel like is what he's he's battling with the ego and that's kind of the ability that no one else sees that the ego tries to convince him that he can do and show everybody else that yeah like, I guess well yeah that's that was always my interpretation that that he's never never obviously never really had superpowers but if this is he's living in the past I think that's what the mm-hmm. callback to was um I my I guess where I always took it a step further is is does he actually believe that more and more throughout and then even a step further um I almost when I rewatched it before I almost thought I don't know if you ever seen um um Synecdoche New York I just watched it Did you? a couple of days ago um, yeah. we showed that in film analysis and that movie has that is, uh, I, I started finding parallels in that. Me too. This when I was watching because time, yeah. and and I started thinking, well, is this whole play a metaphor for his, um, like does does the play, mm-hmm. uh, when, um, um, being him, successful or not? Is it that closely related to his life? Mm-hmm. And so I actually started. I I briefly looked at what was the name of the play again. Um, uh, 
what what do we talk the about play that when he, we talk about love or the play that's in Synecdoche, New York? No, the play that he's the play that um in that, uh, Birdman's doing. Yeah. He's it's called um what do we talk about when we talk about oh, love? Oh, okay. So then I made a mistake because I was looking up the guy who made it. That guy, what's his name? Raymond, Raymond Carver. Yeah, Raymond Carver. Yeah. So I started looking up Raymond Carver briefly, and I tried to find parallels between um Raymond Carver's life and and his, or if there was some kind of um, but there I didn't. Mm-hmm. I guess I didn't no. research enough, anyways. But, <laughs> but I, I, what I, I guess what I'm saying is, I, I think I was wondering if, if the play itself was a metaphor as well as his superpowers. Uh, you know, well, I, mean? I don't know about the content of the play as right. much as like, like Synecdoche, New York is about the content of yes, the play, right? And uh, we want to save, uh, want to save that because that's going to be a future film. Oh, okay, episode. okay, um, oh, save it. And uh, so, like Synecdoche, New York, the the content of the play is the, is the main yes. driving force. Where this, I thought, like the play in and of itself, so is it's. The, it's whether it's successful or not is like the, mm-hmm. the his is the fact he that he lives and dies with that and the fact that he's doing it is kind of doing like his return to relevancy mm-hmm. and trying to do something that not only is relevant but shows that he's a serious actor trying to sure. show this other side people want it he wants people to take him seriously like right. he says he's trying to do something that means something well how ironic is it then that like what what brings him back to fame is him running naked through the streets, yeah, too, and literally being popular on. Well, that's another big theme in this movie is like how, um, you know, how you stay relevant, how like you know, consumer culture. Yeah. Because in like I said, rewatching it this time, I didn't realize like I, I guess it never fully clicked with me how much of kind of like there is a satire element to this movie. Oh, I mean, yeah. it is a dark comedy, but like I mean that's pretty um, evident. But like the whole thing about like criticism and uh, you know people. Filming him in the street, or mm-hmm. which is an amazing scene, um, yeah. or you know all the hits that he gets on social media and the news clips and people <laughs> even applauding at the end and lighting candles for him after he shoots himself. Right, like that's this whole big other metaphor of like society that we the society that we live in and like um, applauding um, you know this kind of like like violence or just like anything to get views or just uh-huh. like any kind of. That's the thing. new world he it's lives like in. anything that's trending, yeah. <clears throat> and he doesn't really kind of belong in that world. You right. Know? He's more from you know the art form and like you know thinking about like structure and like all that other right. stuff, which is you know having an emotional experience, which also fits in with Mike Shiner, played by Edward Norton, yeah, who is. They even had like they have those that argument back and forth about like you know I'm popular. It's like who gives a shit about popularity? Yeah, you right. know, it's like it, popularity is like the fucked up cousin of prestige or something. Like <laughs> oh, that's right, I remember that. Line. It's a great line. Yeah, that's a good line. I, Edward Norton in this movie is fantastic. Yeah, he's I think he's so. I mean, I love Edward Norton. But this is like one of my favorite performances. I like him. when he like he goes his. I don't. I, I don't know. This is like a, a personality that that like is so like because he'll get mad and then he'll he'll. Like there's that one scene where he rolls into the dressing room to yell at like right after right after he was on stage she was gonna yell at the, his girlfriend or mm-hmm. whatever, and she um and she throws something at him and you think he's gonna get you think he's gonna flip out on her he's like you're not ready to talk <laughs> I'm gonna turn around and he walks right out of the room and I'm like mm. yeah what a what a I guess or, dynamic character. well even like when he's on stage in the first preview and he's freaking out and he's throwing shit yeah. and he's like is this chicken you know what I'll live with the chicken you know yeah. and then and then you he, think he's an angry dude yeah and then he pulls up like next to. Reagan afterwards, he's like, "You were really good." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like a psychopath. Yeah, it's right. Crazy. But he has some great lines. I love when he's like, oh, yeah. um, when he goes to the dressing room, and uh, th- first of all, the guy who's like doing the dressing room says, um, oh, "What does he say?" Oh, thank the Lord and pass the biscuits. I have an actor. To dress. <laughs> and then he's like. Um, I'm just, I'm getting fitted, and the guy's like, nothing fits, and he goes, well, then I'm just standing here with my cock out. Right? Yeah. <laughs> He's just kind of looking at yeah. himself. <laughs> no, Naomi Watts comes in. Um, 
there's a, I think like six main characters that we like focus on. Yes. So there's Regan, there's Sam, uh, his daughter played by Emma Stone. There's Mike Shiner. Um, there's uh, Naomi Watts' character. What's her name? I think like Laura or something like mm-hmm. that. And then um, the friend that says that she's um, that she she's pregnant. Like those five characters, I feel like all kind of fit mm-hmm. into this other theme. The one of the bigger themes is like. And that's why I kind of like that it's fitted in theater is that it's they they're kind of try, they're trying to make this like human connection with one another. So uh-huh. like Reagan is trying to connect with the rest of you know society and like these um and the people. Is he? Uh, I I thought he was because he's trying to be relevant in some way. Yeah. He's trying to get back and trying to get people's attention to yeah, have him be so. in this. In... If it's so narrow, like, like I mean, he, I mean, he's got. A, I feel like he's got a narrow view of it. Like he's he's ignoring everything else, even the audience. I think. Well, I guess like in the fact and that just he... focusing on it's kind of selfish, right? Just his own That's relevance, true. his yeah. own return. Oh, to... that was actually something I wanted to bring up before. Is that like it seems like I think it's interesting that he played a superhero, and this is kind of dispelling the idea of someone who is a superhero and that he does things that are not heroic. heroic. Yeah. So like he. Yeah, so he like makes the light fall down. He's like kind of a coward. He's like, we can't do, we can't go forward with the preview. Yeah, and like he almost cancels twice. And then he wants to refinance the house that was gonna be his daughter's. Yeah, and, yeah. And they're not stuff that makes me think like, oh, he's like such a prick. But it's he's not like, like an evil villain. He's not like, but like it's like, oh, he again. We have this perception of him being this like, this like superhero like person. But yeah he's really that makes him more human and grounded but he's right. like yeah, he's yeah. not he's just he's a guy he has like you know this like pop belly. But in his head he's a yeah <laughs> he's a superhero um yeah you're talking about like the other characters that kind of that 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 all are trying to have an interaction with each mm-hmm. other i i do not understand the need for so the pregnancy theme like uh, of that of uh, I can't I can't remember her name or the actress. I, uh, her name her. is Laura. I her can't remember Laura? what. Um, I should have wrote all these down. I can't remember I what um, Naomi Watts's name. Uh, her character's name is. But um, but Laura is the one who's Laura is the one. But like okay, so I guess that's added to the story to to show his disconnection from reality. I kind of saw it as like so. Yeah. Okay. So Laura's the girl who's pregnant and then Leslie, Leslie is okay. Naomi Watts. Okay. So my thing with that is that um because before I rewatched it I was like thinking back and they have that scene where they kiss in the dressing room. I was like, is that really needed? That was like, my second question. What, Why was that necessary that, for the film? That I mean, that was, the, that was and my thought for that is like I mean it's still to me a little like it's a little iffy like I'm not really sure why it's there but yeah. my initial thought watching it this time was that she like Laura and I was watching an interview with the actress and she was saying how her character is like very much actually in love with Regan and wants to be with Regan. Mm-hmm. Um and Leslie She is, was jealous of what was said to Leslie by Regan? Well, I was thinking that Leslie was um was with Mike Shiner and he was such a dick at that point mm-hmm. because he tried to have sex with her on stage. Right. And so that even that connection is gone. And she's trying to have this life that she envisioned in her head, like when she was a kid of being a Broadway star uh-huh. and having this life. And then it's almost falling apart because the guy that she loved and then that's all fading. And so they're both. And I, I thought they kind of both got a, like attracted towards each other because they're both having issues with the people that they're trying to connect with. So I thought that was kind of the thing that brought them together. It still feels a little weird and out of place. It just feels out of place, yeah. I, I just, I didn't, I, I, I could, I guess I could, well, you know, it happens right after Riggin comes in and consoles mm-hmm. Leslie. Yeah. Um. He, uh, and her, um, Laura, 
his immediate response yeah. is, I wish you would say that. Is I w- he's never said that to me in what mm-hmm. six years or something yeah. like that. And um, then I think that was kind of the light bulb moment for Leslie. They're like, oh, we're kind of the same because yeah. like you know Mike doesn't treat her well. Right. Okay. I don't know, it still feels it, out of it place. It still feels yeah. out of place. I'm not. I'm, yeah. No. Totally. It's just like that was like well, kind of. It, and and when films do that, it's. Oh, I'm talking to the mic. It, mm-hmm. it seems like a cheap shot, a cheap grab at shock value for, like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's like it's like what well, it doesn't drive the story forward. It's kind of it's it's interesting to watch, but it doesn't. I don't know. It's just out, like it's out of place and and cheap. It's cheap for a film to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's def- it was definitely a little weird, but I guess that was my initial, like, that yeah. was my like, kind of thinking of it. Um, this play is going just all wrong in so many different directions, and I, that's, like, one of the things that, like, I really feel for Reagan because, like, I mean, I've, we've both been in that process of trying to make something, and, like, creatively, or whether it's, like, a short film, or, like, you know, I've been in the process of making something for theater, and you really want it to go a very certain way in your head. And mm-hmm. there's like so many different elements that are just like falling apart. And he's got not only things on the stage, you know, being fucked up, but like sure. behind the scenes too. And there was something that I, that he said in here that was really interesting. Um, when he talks to Amy Ryan, when Amy Ryan shows up as his ex-wife, mm-hmm. um, who I really, it, she's in two scenes and I, I really, really like her in this movie is someone who really grounds Riggin. Yes. Because she says that, um, he has this whole big thing about, you know, he's going to refinance the Malibu house, which is going to be Sam's. And then uh, um, <laughs> he wanted to, the fact that he was on a plane with George Clooney. And when Sam looks at the paper the next day, he's like, it's going to be Clooney's face, not mine. And uh, then he's like, did you know that Farrah Fawcett died the same day as Michael Jackson? And then before she leaves, she goes, you're not Farrah Fawcett. I just right. think yeah, that yeah. that's a very interesting um that that kind of shows who her character is, and even though they've had like so much marital troubles in the past that mm-hmm. we like get inklings of, um, she knows that she has to be like it's not going to end the way that you think it is, right? Yeah, it's, she's grounding him, like yeah. you said. Yeah, well, I mean, because he's so often Neverland with his ego, mm-hmm. um, I, like she's the only one that I, I think she's the only one that like recognizes that too. That is just like, <laughs> hey man, chill out. Like, yeah, you're right here, we got a family to raise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not like the only one who isn't uh saying that he has a problem or sure, is yeah. like um getting on his case about something is really uh is almost like there for him as like mm-hmm. a, almost still as a romantic partner even sure. though they've you know been like apart uh just a really really great performance um and mm-hmm. that that scene immediately is followed by the uh it's after the first preview when Mike and Riggin go for coffee out of the bar. Mm-hmm. And I love that conversation just because um, they both kind of have interesting points to be made about, um, you know, the Hollywood versus New York. Um, and, you know, Riggin has this idea about popularity in his head and, uh, you know, people recognize me. And then Mike is, you know, saying like, you know, you can go back to your studios and whoever, whatever toxic piece of shit you pump out, people will still come see it. Right. But I'm going to be right here uh, making my living and like giving like real emotion or something like that. And that's kind of mm-hmm. interesting how it, again, kind of adds to the fact that Regan doesn't seem to belong in this world. He's trying to make himself yeah. like kind of known. And I thought that was a very interesting argument that I didn't really pick up on uh, beforehand about how, and it is kind of, you kind of see that, um, in like certain people who like are really big into Broadway about like oh you're just having more you know Hollywood people like he says to the film critic like Hollywood's coming to yeah, the Broadway yeah. she was like good luck with that yeah exactly <laughs> uh, and it kind of adds more to 
the emotion of it, like you're attached to Riggin and you want it to go well because it's like it seems like everything yeah. is just against him. And that's just another thing. Sure. Like, but see, I, that with it, the film loads it up like like they make they make you feel bad for him. But then he does things like also like right after that scene, doesn't he talk to the film critic? Right. No, that's later. Oh, that's oh right. It was later on. Okay. Well, well, it it kind of culminates to that point because he's still struggling. Things are going wrong. I think that's right after he uh, had the walk to the street when he was in his underwear. Right. So he he talks to. Um, the film critic, yeah, after right. the second preview, after he walks to the street and talks to Sam about all the dashes on her t- on the toilet paper, right. and then goes to the bar, and the the first bar scene is where we find out about the Raymond Carver like cocktail yes. napkin yep. thing, and you know the the film critic is just like you know the OG stereotypical film critic right, or like yeah. um theater critic of just like yes Hollywood all oh, you're just gonna right. like. Oh, call that entertainment. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's such a stereotype, but that like it's kind of meant for the the big scene yeah. later. But she's but like later on, she's like right. He's like trying to justify his ego with hard work and like hard. I mean, right in that conversation that he has with her later on. So like, like when she's made out to be like the villain, and the movie pads Riggin as not the like you know what I mean like. I kind of, I, I honestly understood what he was saying because I thought that, I mean, I try and like read up as much film criticism as sure, I can, sure. and there's something to be said about critics like like that. That he has this line where it's like, you do you know what this is? You don't because you don't know because you don't know what it is unless you label it. Right. And I think that there's a lot in criticism of like compartmentalizing sure. movies and. Yeah. And it, and she says this whole thing, you know, she's already going to give it a bad review. She already has so much preconceived notions and sure. won't give it a chance. And doesn't really understand the actual work of, like, what went into it. Not necessarily that she needs to, but, like, just these labels and just... She doesn't really get the point of, like, how it affects everybody else. Right. And that was, like, something of film criticism that's always bothered me yeah. personally. So I understood where he was coming from. I mean, he does it in an explosive way. Sure. That's kind of like a... You know this like yeah moment that's, that's supposed true. to be, but like to me it was like I understand the frustration because I feel like we're so stuck in this um, era of you know everyone has a voice mm-hmm. and everyone has an outlet for their voice. Sure. So you're constantly getting like people have preconceived notions about something, so they're gonna go out and just be like I'm gonna hate it already. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, it, yeah, everyone's own biases. Yeah, is, yeah, and you know she hates the fact <laughs> you know she says you you're a celebrity, you're not an actor, you know you. You get your money for you get your money from weekends or something right, like that, yeah. um, and it, it was something like I mean, we. I've heard voices like that. I know I've read things that are like that. Yeah, and to me, it was. I just thought it was like a very interesting scene of like again, it's kind of like this old like Hollywood versus you know New mm-hmm. York theater, and you know they're very different worlds. Yeah, um, and I I just felt like personally that it felt like. You know, a, addressing an issue that i've seen before that you right so i, right. I i'm into it like i, I sure, like sure. it so let me what do you think of it well wait i mean that scene specifically yeah. when he's like, I, but it's like or i guess like the film like the criticism side oh, of criticism it. side well yeah. yeah everybody well yeah i mean everything's gonna be taken with a grain of salt right if you're yeah. if you're criticizing like i mean th- this movie won an oscar and i'm kind of like eh about it you know, <laughs> or one many, you know more than one but mm. uh but uh, yeah i don't know man like you said they they watch so many and I don't know. You, you some your bias. Everybody's bias goes into to watching things like that. I don't know. I've read a lot of film re, like critiques in in the you know like like those New York Times one like this like she is, um, because I don't really want my my 
I don't want to have a biased view of a movie before I go into it. But then mm. again, I'm just as guilty of watching a preview and being like, that's going to suck. Yeah. You know what I mean? Actually, yeah. I do that a lot. You yeah. know what I mean? Which it's is hard, probably that, not good. That's another thing. Mean, it's hard not to do that at yeah. this point because we're so used to being able to express our opinions sure. instantaneously. And we can't wait and like you know right. take it in and really think about what we were doing. Um, <laughs> but th- I think that kind of fits into this other theme that's in the movie about like um, perception and reputation. Mm-hmm. So like... W- Everyone kind of perceives, you know, Michael Keaton's character a certain way. Everyone perceives um, Edward Norton's character to be this yeah. way because he's this very <laughs> renowned theater actor, but he's just a nutball. Yeah. And I mean, there's that great line where, uh, you know, Zach Galifianakis is like, ask me if he sells tickets. He sells a shitload. Yeah. Right. Ask me yeah. if the theater critics love him. You know, they want to splooge on him. Leslie <laughs> right on his face. You know? <laughs> How do you know Mike Shiner? We share a vagina. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a great line. Um, but. You know, we have this, <laughs> or even like someone like like Sam. I feel like we kind of have this idea that she just um, like is not with this entire thing and hates like her dad. Yeah. But by the end of it, I mean, obviously that's kind of like the character arc. It kind of shows that she, you know she does have still like love for him, but mm-hmm. there were a lot of problems before. You know, she says that he you know didn't um, wasn't he tried for... wasn't there for her, tried to make her seem special when it wasn't yeah. And, uh, but like that adds just like this other layer um, of depth to Sam because I like that we don't get everything about her right off the bat. We mm-hmm. kind of get it like sprinkled throughout. You know, she sure she was she was in rehab, yeah. and then you don't find that out right away. Yeah, until like I think the conversation with the Reagan and her mother, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I I gotta say, kind of jumping back, I love Emma Stone's performance. Yeah, in this she's <laughs> just I'm a big Emma Stone fan, so like I just everything I see her and she's great. But this was something that was like. When she does that whole big monologue. Yeah, I was just gonna I was gonna refer to that. Right after she gets caught smoking the joint yeah. and she she gives him a hard time. Mm. The camera holds on her. The pace slows way down. The camera holds on her and she has that that this such a good performance where she goes from super you can see it subtly change in her face, super angry to guilty about what she just mm. said, to like, should I say something? To like no, and then walks out of yeah. the room. Like uh, she goes through those four those four points just in her face yeah. without actually saying a word. She's just excellent. Well, it's a great scene because they both act so well. So like yeah. you know, Riggins like you know, it's important to me. You know, unlike your you know cooped up friends, right. only in- investment is to go viral. You yeah. know, <laughs> and it's clear he like really really wants this to go well. And then she's just like no, like there are so many people out there who are battling to be relevant every single day. Yeah, you know, and you're doing something that's based on a book that was written sixty years ago, and the only people who are going to be right. Yeah, no, she is <laughs> she's right. Totally, I mean, she's totally right about, like, I mean, he goes viral the, mm. tr- the way that modern day people go yeah. viral. And she's like, you know, you don't, you're the one who doesn't exist. You know, you hate bloggers, you mock Twitter, and you don't even have a Facebook page. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole other theme is this, well, I mean, I, mean, I guess it's a, it is a theme throughout, but it's it's subtle is the is just being old or being, like, out of touch with, mm-hmm. mod- I mean, I know that. The whole lot, most of the theme is based on his, you know, his not being able to, well, kind of not being able to let go of the past, and most of it's really his ego. But the um, there's that whole part too, where just modern, like being old and 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 out of touch with what is relevant. I mean, mm-hmm. he wants to be relevant, but he doesn't care about what's relevant. Yeah, he doesn't like any of the stuff. He's gonna that, do it his own way. Yeah. And you know, if like Riggin it, was here right now, he'd want to do this on radio. But we're on a <laughs> podcast right now, Riggin. Deal with it. Yeah, take that, Mike. The right Keaton. way. To I know it. you're listening. That's right. <laughs> well, he says that great thing. Uh, uh, or like when I love that scene where they get the the newspaper and um, 
uh, it shows that Mike Shiner just took all of the stuff from Riggin yeah. of what like his interview again adding to the perception that like you know Mike Shiner is this you know really deep like methodical method yeah. actor and he's like actually just a shit heel and then he's like he does that thing where it's like you know, uh, you, you, you don't get a massive heart on my stage unless I tell you, dude, did you think it was massive? Shut up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> my massive heart, I got 50,000 views on YouTube. Oh, a cat playing with a dildo can get more than that. <laughs> Their fight is really yeah, that, funny. Yeah, the dialogue there and the fight. Yeah, yeah it's hysterical. Really, I love when it cuts over to the janitors and they're just yeah, like, like watching the, the fight. <laughs> it cuts back. Or it just pans to them. Yeah, pans back. really, really great. <laughs> and that's like a great moment of just like, you know, that's kind of like the midway point in the movie, like just a great moment of just yeah. like levity and mm. they're both so pissed these hot egos just going yeah. at it like and i guess that's kind of another thing where it's like you know give the ego enough energy it's gonna how are they counter like it's weird like they're counter they're both have massive egos yeah they're not like opposites they're you know what both I mean? like, very similar they're very similar but one just has a lot more confidence about what he's doing uh-huh. i guess i guess shiner is more su- successful yeah i mean i i feel like that it seems as though Riggin just, I mean, just by being older and, um, Oh, he represents the old way of doing it. Well, I was thinking he has more just life experience in general because, I mean, he's gone through, you know, his daughter was in rehab and he has a child and has had issues relationship-wise. And Mike Shiner just seems like if he has relationship issues, doesn't really give a shit about it. It's just like, kind of like whatever. He does. They're brought up. Yeah. I mean, they're brought up, but like (laughs) sexual issues. Yeah. In this movie. (laughs) Oh my god! When he like when he's like, let's really fuck. Like uh, that was a moment in the theater where we were just like, oh my god, no, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but like one of it's like one of those things where it's like I, yeah, of course he would do that. But like, yeah. just, oh my god, it's so gross. I mean, what a unique supporting character for like this overall film because it's like it's it's you know he's not the subject of this, but how dynamic like they add all these elements to him. You know what I mean? Like you, you know all about this guy's personal. I, I mean, I, it's not uncommon for a movie to do that, but I mean, it's just what I, I, I mean. We already talked about it. what a unique character uh, in his in his dialogue, in his temperament, and in his in his own personal problems. Mm-hmm. They're not really even relevant that relevant to the overall story. Uh-huh. Like, it's just really you know. And I mean, he kind of disappears towards the end too. Yeah. I was realizing that today because yeah. I mean, and it's the kinda... last time he's relevant is when he isn't it when he. Um, yeah, sex. him and his daughter start. Him mm-hmm. and Regan's daughter start get. Yeah, um, hitting it off. I guess. Hooking I don't know if up. they ever actually sleep together. I thought they did when they were up on the. When they came down to the catwalk, they, yeah, yeah, I thought I, they were up there. I thought he that's kept what they refusing, were doing. kept refusing, and she brought him down to the stage. I guess that mm. was what that was insinuating. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess I. Yeah. I thought that's what it was. Um, but yeah, I guess that's really the last time that we see him, and. Um, well, you see him one more time when right bef- right before he goes outside, mm-hmm. um, because uh, that's what cues Riggin to go have a cigarette to get some locked outside he sees them like Uh he sees them kind of like kiss and push off and he's like he told some stagehand give me a give me a smoke and he went outside yeah that's i that scene where they're where he just runs through times square is it's one of those things where you kind of see it coming in a way but like because like i mean he's outside it's like okay the door's gonna close (laughs) but it's like okay he'll just get in through like another side door someone will come let him in no he has to go through times square and And then to (laughs) add to the chaos of that scene once he gets inside the original actor is talking about suing him with his lawyer and like zach galvanak has said that that would happen you know and uh again the movie just flows so well because I mean yeah. it goes from literally from like night to day and the camera just moves down and then the next day it, when it's like on Riggin's face yeah. it just like it's like seamless mm-hmm. it, it's done so well and uh, I can't it, like movies two hours it doesn't feel two hours to me it didn't right feel, yeah. yeah no I agree 
Um, I, I actually, when I went and rewatched it, I was like, this is two hours long. Yeah. I, I, I you think it would be like an hour and a half yeah. or something like that. Um, I, here's my question. This is sure. all, this is kind of like, you know, a, um, you're going to have to make some leaps to answer this question. Uh-oh. But um, if this play were like 100% real, made by, um, like made by someone like Reagan, like if yeah. Reagan Thompson was a real person and this play was, uh, like you know the whole two act play that they that they say it is and like would this play be actually good and if it w- if it was real because that's kind of one of the things i noticed about this movie is that like and i think it's not it's not really supposed to be but like the dialogue in the play scenes and just like the whole play itself it's not that great it seems like, lame yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah especially that that scene where they're sitting around drinking gin mm-hmm. I, it just seems it's yeah it doesn't seem i but I don't know. They don't really get into the story. I don't watch. Well, no, I'm not, of... I'm not saying it's like that's a fault of the movie. Sure, sure, I'm sure, just sure. like I, I, and I also don't think it's really supposed to be like right, the next yeah, best great thing because of what's actually in the play. Yeah, I mean, it becomes the next big thing because of what happens at the end. Yeah, but like I was just wondering. I was like, if this was a play, like a legit play, I feel like would it you would. See it? I f- I would want to see it probably, but I feel like it would be like uh, closed after you know a couple months or something. Well, what like, would make you want to see it? if if this was a real world was, thing? You didn't know any of the behind the scenes. You're saying? Well, I'm saying like if I what draws me, especially in this, uh, I'm such a sucker. It would just be like, oh, Regan Thompson, okay, or like Michael Keaton. Right. I want to go see him on Broadway. That'd sure. be great. If I knew the book, sure, I would like want to like want to check it out. Um, but like it just seems like if when you're just watching it, and, I, and again, didn't notice it until this time that. Like it's kind of just like hokey, the like the <laughs> yeah, right, writing yeah. of the of the actual play itself, and there's yeah. a dream sequence with like a lot of narration. Yeah, like, Nick, Wait, is that with the trees Nick and did, the things yeah. flying around? Nick or? didn't know I was pregnant until the third <laughs> month we knew each other. It's like what the fuck yeah, is going what's on? What's going on? <laughs> what? <laughs> and he's like, I mean, Zach Galifianakis has that whole thing where it's like, hey, you spent like a million dollars on trees, and it's like, wait, what's a dream sequence? You got midgets dancing around you. You're not supposed to say midgets, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I was just kind of thinking about. It. I was like, how yeah, does I don't it, know. Would I, this play be good? Like, well, I mean, it would probably be. Something. If it's on Broadway, it has to be, right? I mean, yeah, do you think that? Well, I mean, wouldn't it have to? Well, I guess not. I don't know. I don't know how it works. You know, well, do they I mean, have to work their way up in small towns before they make it. They can be, but like sometimes they I start off like right on Broadway if it already has like a significant amount of following yeah. or, um, oh, yeah, you know, funding. Big name actor, big name is. actors. Yeah, for sure. So I mean, it depends. If, yeah. I mean, there have definitely been shows that have started immediately like right on Broadway. Um, yeah. Plays, it could be. It's. It could be a little bit more traditional for them just to start on Broadway, um, but if it if it has this big name actor in it, sure. I, um, have you seen a lot of Broadway? Yeah. Have you? Uh-huh. I've I've have never seen. I'm a big theater man. That's why I, that's one of the things oh, I love right. about I this. Was, this yeah. was one of the things I love about this movie is that it kind of dispels. And this is one thing I heard a lot. I hear a lot in film school that I is something that I just hate that I'm going to save it for later. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> it's kind right. of my end point. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Let's get into uh, right after the. A lot happens after the second preview, or I guess the final preview. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, he goes and uh, he does the whole critic thing, mm-hmm. and he leaves the Raymond Carver napkin behind. Mm-hmm. That was a big moment for me that I realized uh, that I thought that that was kind of the decision that, okay, maybe this isn't yeah. everything. Maybe this isn't going to go where I want it to be, and maybe mm-hmm. it's not worth it. And I thought that was kind of this the start of the full change, or this mm-hmm. that was the start of the third act. And I think this third act kind of shows the ego kind of taking over. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I would agree. Like you know, he goes and there's that great shot where he goes into the liquor store with all the um, with all the lights around him, and he's kind of losing his mind when the guy shouting uh, Macbeth. It ends up being the guy that he that he because uh, he fired. Well, 
well it's not the guy it's not the same guy but he's like yeah. i just wanted to give you a range it's too much like i know it's too no, much he, yeah he and, repeats what he said yeah exactly and and the and he just lays right down there and passes out and then when he wakes up we go through this whole montage of the ego where we actually see mm-hmm. birdman following him around and i just think that that was like even when i first saw it it's like okay like something this is this is something. Yeah. Like, I was not expecting it to go this no, way. No, right, yeah. Were you surprised when you first watched it, just of, like, seeing Birdman and, like, all what conspires well, yeah, at the yeah, when it actually, when he, when he actually first, like, is there and you're like, oh, well, that's a big bird person right mm-hmm, there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, but, um, I, I mean, I, I, I could tell it was leading to that. It, it's not subtle in that it's, in that, like, that his, you know, ego or that his, his subconscious is this Birdman that is from his past and then it keeps having more and more of a you know an impact on his life and his his decisions like it continues to like be, um was i surprised I, I mean yeah i mean it's it's a uh, it's shocking when you see it but mm-hmm. you know I well because he's like you know we'll you know we'll leave these guys we'll make another one you know a yeah. billion worldwide and then i like, mean and he is going insane like he's oh, starting yeah, to lose i mean i mean it, it seems fitting for like you mm-hmm. know like as a representation of of him losing his mind at yeah that point. for yeah. sure and you know we finally get the because i mean this was in the trailer too when uh the the big mechanical bird comes down and like all the yeah. cops are around him and like right. shit's exploding that just makes me think how many people actually went to this movie and are like oh a brand new superhero movie. right yeah <laughs> let's go yeah right <laughs> well michael keaton tells this really great story in one of the interviews i saw for this movie that he saw um there's a john houston movie called the dead which is like this kind of victorian drama mm-hmm. and um there were these guys who went to go see it. He was like, oh, I got to go see it. It's John Houston. And there were these guys in the back of the theater that totally thought it was a horror movie. So it starts in like 15 minutes. And they're just like, what the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> and he's like, you know, 20 minutes later, they were just like, fuck this. And they yeah, just got yeah, up and left. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to know like what the count was. Yeah, how like, many people, like, how many people totally, were like, yeah, yeah, let's go fucking superhero. And that first shot, I mean, you kind of think it yeah. would be that way. Well, I think it was even in some of the Intended, trailers were yeah. advertised like as like a superhero movie. I mean, you know. Mm. Which I'm like, kind of, uh, yeah, you know. well, in some way, like, especially with that mechanical bird, but it's like, yeah, I like that. Do you think it's going to be something different? Like, I'm <laughs> yeah. all for that. Um, <laughs> and then, like, you know, he starts, he actually literally starts being lifted up. Mm-hmm. And this is another thing where it shows you something metaphorical and then it shows the reality. So it shows him lifting up and then he's actually just on and the he's edge. Just there, yeah. Yeah. And I think that that was the big, you know, movie moment of he's giving in to the ego and like sure. he jumps off and he's like this is where you belong and he's like above everyone else because the ego makes him think yeah you're better than what you think that you're doing it's like, weird but is the ego the good person or the bad person you know what i mean is the ego uh, is the ego uh, like throughout the film you see the ego doing things that seem like you know when he it comes around well it's kind of like it's there to comfort him when things are going wrong Right. I mean, like he's throw like it's his ego that's going on when he's well or the his bird alter ego when he's throwing things at the wall or, or magic throwing things at the wall. Right after he um, him and his uh, daughter have that falling out, he's spinning the little, I think, cigarette pack. And, mm-hmm. and, and um, um, it, it, it was always there at those times. But you, you think he's I mean, he's fighting it, but it's not it's it it, it, it seems like it's the enemy like he shouldn't he should keep fighting it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But in re- in reality, when he gives in, I mean, I, I guess it doesn't really go well for him. Yeah, I mean... But I, it seems like that's where everything's leading, and it's mm-hmm. not a good way to lead. Well, yeah, because, I mean... it. I guess. And I was thinking, like, in some way, the way everything ends, like, he gets what he wants, but, like, yeah. did he? Like, because... 
because what I was thinking, like, you know, is he, he alive? Well, yeah, but like, that's that's a whole that's a thing. That's a whole other thing. That's a good thing in a second. But like, you know, he's like the this persona that he has, the voice that he has, is like making him think that he belongs in you know in the past and in making people happy that way right. of like you have to belong and again like that kind of in and of itself adds into the kind of film criticism thing of like compartmentalize everything even the voice is like you should stay mm-hmm. and you'd make so much money and it's like no yeah. i want to like i want to try something new it's like no so you're not a great actor you know what who cares fuck them you know <laughs> right. you're like who, it doesn't matter it's true yeah. and um and then, like, you know, when he lands, I always love when he's like, stop the music. The music stops. And then, again, he goes inside, and the cab driver's like, hey, man, you got to pay me. And it's like, oh, he was in the cab the whole time. Yeah, right. It's just a, just just, going. Yeah. Those are little details that I just, I love. Yes. Like, just going into. Um, all right, let's take a quick break in the conversation to talk about Dingles and Donuts, Orion Valley Productions' very own Real Play D&D podcast. Since season two is over, we are now on a brief hiatus, but we are coming back very soon with a brand new miniseries entitled Ravnica Avengers, The Celestia Conspiracy. From the mind of DM Casey Clark comes a campaign ripe with action, adventure, and intrigue. When a mysterious villain begins carrying out a series of bombings in the city, five heroes are called upon to hunt her down and stop her. You'll hear familiar Dingles and Donuts voices such as Casey Clark, Sullivan Harris, and Chris Rowe, as well as some new voices and all new characters in this brand new adventure that you do not want to miss. Be on the lookout for it. It is coming September 5th. I haven't heard any of it, so I'm just as excited as you guys are to listen to it. So be on the lookout for that wherever you get your podcast on september 5th dingles and donuts presents ravnica ventures the celestia conspiracy all right back to birdman before we talk about the end okay uh, i want to ask you a question Uh-oh. what from the first viewing and this and other viewings that you've watched it how is it gone down for you because this is not a movie that you would say you overtly love it's not i mean look I, when i say it's gone down it's not it's it, it's not like i hate this movie but no i, mean, I don't mean i that. just when i first saw it i thought it was i thought it was fantastic i mean it, it is it's a great it is a great story it's a really well-told story it's it's got such a unique cinematography to it it's fun to watch i mean it's not just like a you know it's got all those elements where it like the pace keeps like you're never bored um it's funny. It's funny. It's it's a. It, I don't know a lot of much many better dark comedies than this. I guess uh, maybe I'd have to think about that. But um, when it's gone down is when I start thinking about the things which I I keep seeing on rewatches, like see like the scenes that I and the parts that are unnecessary. Like we already talked about. Um, I I still kind of feel like the the uh, the pregnancy is like this. It's this like. Um, it's barely touched upon and mm-hmm. it's not even used in a way that I thought drove the story forward. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's there for character development for um uh Laura? Laura. Laura yeah. um um to 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 kind of tell a little bit more about how she is, but because she's kind of wacky at first too. So I guess that's part of it and it then turns out she's not pregnant. He barely reacts. So I guess if I had to choose, I guess it's because I would assume that they they even only introduced that to show how numb he is to kind of reality and the connections around him. But I, I thought that was unnecessary. I thought the 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 kissing scene was so random. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, like, but again, we already talked about that, and um, you know, things like that. I guess, and then and then, um, uh, I I I guess the fact that it um, it's so 
like uh, as I was saying before, it's it, it's it's just so about the theater. Like the theater is everything, and it keeps hammering that kind of like uh, the. Uh, I guess that turns out that that's not the case in the end, but it's so. Well, like, I mean, it has them. It's kind of that's the reason. Well, that. well, I don't think that because I think that that's the point of view of Mike Shiner. Sure, conflicted oh. with the perspective of Riggin or like the where he comes from in some okay. way. Like I didn't really think of it as like a uh, pretentious way, but like. It's kind of like this reality check in a way that, well, maybe not a reality check, but I saw it as like he had a passion for it and he wanted to do this. And the fact that he puts so much emotion into it and that he cares, yeah. not in the sense of like, because if, if everything was going great and he's like, oh, this is just, this is wrong. <laughs> that's a different story. Yeah. But everything is literally falling apart. And right. I, I kind of saw, and also, and maybe this is just personal bias, but like, I'm so interested in the theater. So like, I was just into that, but um, I... I think that you can like look at this story and though it's rooted in theater or, you know, just entertainment in general, uh-huh. the, the kind of overall story is like how we, you yeah, know. And, and I agree. And I'm not, and again, I, I probably, and I don't want to invalidate like your I, feelings. I just, no, no, like, no, no, this no. is just my, I know what you mean. Yeah. And, um, I'm not, and I, it's very, I don't, I, I don't even know I should have brought it up cause it's not, it's not something I feel that strongly about. Mm. I just thought, you know, but it, it is, it does have a, like, a ton of great elements that makes it a great film. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I can't, I can't say it's bad. I do enjoy watching it and I, I will probably watch it again. I just, it's just not, when I first saw it, I was like, this is excellent. It's so unique. Yeah. I, it, like I said, it was one of those ones right when I finished. Um, you don't I get a lot of unique these days. Yeah. And in my opinion, and this may be a hot take, but I <laughs> think, I think that this, this is one of my favorites because I can go back and rewatch it uh-huh. all the time, like top 20. And I honestly think, oh, Paired this with Whiplash are like my two favorite movies of oh, this man. decade. All right, got it. top top ten. Let's hear of this decade. Yeah, no, yeah do it. Okay, Let's well, hear. my top five okay. easily are um, Birdman, Whiplash, Mad Max Fury Road, Lady Bird, and The Social Network. Oh, not The Social Network. Um, Inception, but also Social Network. Um, I really love. Uh, is Social oh. ne- is that like a um, honorable mes- mention? Well, if is we're doing top, top ten, if oh, we're top doing ten, top okay, ten, sorry, but sorry. like. Uh, top five. Uh, fucking Moonrise Kingdom is up there. Black Swan. Uh-huh. Uh, I love. Uh, oh, I just had it. Uh, like, like. Oh some my of the... gosh! Don't even have a top ten. Yeah, ten <laughs> I movies had you can't five. remember the movie. I had top five. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta ask you. I don't know. We're derailing this. Uh, top Inception though. I've always loved Inception. It's a fun movie. <laughs> I, it was a movie that, like, when I like, it was. It kind of made me think more about, um, uh, like, just looking at movies in a different way. Yeah. Like, it was, and I and I can still, and I was thinking about this a lot with Christopher Nolan movies. I understand there's plot holes in a lot of them, but, like, there's something about those movies that, like, I, they get a very big emotional response out of me that sure. I that I can connect to. They're not for everybody. I'll say that. I understand well, that. Well, Inception was massive at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Inception kind of, kind of turned into this, uh. Uh, this movie that everybody loved mm-hmm. and then everybody kind of started knock like some people started knocking it and now everybody hates on it I just that's like Forrest Gump too like Forrest yeah. Gump does that same thing <laughs> but I don't know I but also like a lot of those movies like this this decade's been a very interesting decade for movies like uh, what's been good has been great and then there's just been a lot of just kind of like this eh. decade yeah I guess yeah the true. decade like overall I, just, I hate movies now yeah this part <laughs> well you're a big TV I, fr- guy frankly I hate movies <laughs> I'm a big TV guy. No, I I mean I just I I hate that every movie is a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. It's just it's coming there's nothing unique. You know I was going to see that I haven't seen it. Uh Tim went and saw. I said it was awesome. Uh that yesterday. 
Oh yeah, it, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, one, that, yeah. Said, um, he's like uh, he's the only one that knows about Beatles. Like they mm-hmm. didn't exist in the world he's in. And um, I thought it was such a unique idea. And I I was just like, at least it's different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't seen it yet, so who am I no, talking? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, no, I, I mean, suck. I don't I, know. I mean, that's kind of like this thing. You know, the, and not the, the superhero the, movies aren't different. I just they're well, all the, superhero that's kind of one thing that's kind of aged really well about this movie. I mean, it's only five years old, but like the fact that we're so surrounded by this it's so it's more recognizable now yeah the superhero month that they're talking about and grossing a billion dollars than it was even in 2014 that's true and again that's only five years ago and how many of the young superheroes now Mm -hmm. in 20 years are going to be Regan thompson (laughs) yeah exactly so like when we're actors not real when we're looking we we have to really look for something that's like original or new and i feel like 2014 was a year where so many of those movies came out like 2014 was like one of the last like really amazing movie years i feel because like that year was you know birdman whiplash um uh snowpiercer uh boyhood there was like so many there were actually like not for lack of a better word like risky movies Mm. in the sense that like they hollywood took a chance yeah (laughs) on like not an not a not a guaranteed marvel win you know what i mean no for sure and that's part of the problem Mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah, but I, uh, but like I, there was something about this movie that it came out of nowhere and shocked the hell out of me, and I didn't know what to expect going in because like with something like with Whiplash, yeah. which I think is fantastic, I kind of had this expectation that it was going to be amazing going into yeah. it. Yeah, because I had heard it so much about it, got a lot of hype, yeah. and I saw it after the Oscars. Uh-huh. I didn't get the chance to see it, and I was just so excited for it. And I did. It didn't disappoint me. This I didn't know what to expect going in. Uh-huh. I was like, okay, it's going to be an independent movie. Um, I was on a big independent kick at that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still kind of am, but like, I was just like, okay, let's go. I want to see yeah. all the independent movies. And then it was so different than anything I could have expected. Yeah. And that was why it kind of stuck with me. And even going back, there's a lot of things about filmmaking in this movie that just jump out to me. I mean, I just love. I love the way it's written. Yeah. I love the. We haven't even talked about the ending, but like I know, I I there's just so much about it's it. It's bold, this movie. Yeah, it's bold. It, it it's uh, yeah. I mean, it I, has, I mean, it's not like it wasn't a guaranteed win win with the with the. I mean, the actors that are on it, and mm-hmm. like, and I just I'm surprised there's not more stuff like this these days. You know, we, I I would love to see, and I and I do love the superhero movies, but we need more movies like this. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about the ending. Okay. After after he goes inside of the cab, it's opening night. Yes. You know? Uh, play's going great. Also, how long is this play? That was one <laughs> I thing I was noticing. It's like, okay, so this is intermission. Okay, yeah. so that must end after that dream sequence. Okay, I get that. So there must have been something before when they're talking in the kitchen. Uh huh. Okay, that's fine. That can be an act. And then the second act starts with the ending of the play. <laughs> so yeah, that's okay. kind of the thing that I was like, okay, they're just kind of throwing the timeline out. Oh, but yeah, that's yeah. extremely nitpicky. It doesn't really affect my movie <laughs> like going experience at all. But today I was just kind of watching. And I was like, that's the oh. only time when they do when it's like fast, mm-hmm. right? Because it's sometimes, well, they'll just cut to the next day in the same shot. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay, now it's, the it's just like, oh, or it's like just, later it, on. Yeah, this is nighttime. Yeah. Um, but, you know, th- that's when he's talking to um, Amy Ryan's character, who, like we said, is his ex-wife, and he says that, you know, I shouldn't have taped uh, Sam's birth, and I, I just should have been there in the moment. And that was kind of a, a big thing that I was noticing in this movie, too. That's also going back a parallel with Snacky New York mm-hmm. about being in the moment. And it's interesting that, again, rooted in theater, mm-hmm. a medium that's entirely about being um, in the moment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he talks about, you know, going out and 
you know, being in the ocean after this party and trying to drown himself, and then he's covered in jellyfish. Right. That's a scene I'm not. Uh, I I haven't fully understood what like that sp- that, that particular yeah. speech. I is wrote really about. down on my themes when I did this for class jellyfish, mm-hmm. and I have yet to make make a connection. I was like, <laughs> I was like, hmm, there's something about jellyfish mm-hmm. there. Like, what are we talking about? Yeah, I'm not. <clears throat> I, I'm not entirely sure because I mean, you see it on the beach in yeah. that montage before we go to the hospital like after uh-huh. he shoots himself but like i'm not sure if like if that was the moment if that was the lowest point in his in his life that yeah. he was going literally it was all going to end like he was going to end it there and he was never going to go up again and he was just i guess that was the moment he was literally just about to crash and burn because yeah. he went out to the ocean but then he came out because he was literally being stung by jellyfish mm-hmm. and i guess that's the, kind of the saving grace oh, okay yeah all right yeah in some way i guess i don't know i just pulled that out of my ass but no, like, that's, I, I could see that well right yeah, <laughs> I, I bite. That's just, that's all right. <laughs> all right, that's all right. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so he he goes down and he gets the he gets a real gun out of his um. Uh, from when the do shelf. you think he made the decision? When you said that before, right? yeah. So when, when he, he gave up the when he gave up the, the napkin. Carver napkin yeah. was kind of this thing. It's like it's kind it, of yeah. this moment of like, okay, maybe this doesn't matter. Yeah, it's not going to become relevant. Yeah, and the ego's taking over because there's that shot after when he gets after he gets the gun and he's walking down. I always love shots when someone's walking towards the camera and they're yeah. like, he has this kind of stance and look on his face of someone that we haven't really seen before. Sure. And I thought that that was kind of this transformation. And um, I think that was like, okay, maybe I should just end it all. Like, do you think he? Do you think he intended to end it? I think, or do you think he? I mean, this could be the ultimate egotistical move. If the ego has fully taken over, then maybe, yeah, probably. Like he I didn't, guess so. maybe he didn't plan to die. I mean, yeah, maybe. I, <laughs> I don't know. That's, that, no, that's very true. I, I was thinking, like, if that's the point, like the ego has taken over, then it, it works. Like, the, like, if he, if he's going to die, though, yeah, he would still get as many views and as much publicity that's true and so it's either a way big it's stunt. the ultimate ego and the fact that they applaud at the end yeah. is literally you know what he you know he gets what he kind of wanted yeah in maybe not the way he originally intended it definitely not the way he originally <laughs> intended right. it but like do you see that kind of change yeah. and then there's that montage of all the things in new york with the the spider-man guy and the marching band and the the jellyfish and when he wakes up in the hospital um you know the mask on the yeah, it even looks like a mask. bird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, there's the title, literally the title on the the unexpected virtue of ignorance. Do you know what that means? Do I know what that means? Do you, what do you think that means? Do I, I think um, uh, I don't know. I had to look it up. Yeah, so, like, I mean, I, I guess I, it would it would be it. Uh, I don't know. I don't, yeah. Well, because I mean, just in a literal sense, I mean, it's like the 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 virtue of ignorance is that there's like a sense of newness to it, or like rebirth. And uh, and at this point, he was finally able to do what he always wanted to do. And the fact that there's this rebirth because of ignorance, yeah. um, he is now fully. Well, the ignorance be- then is him is him using the real gun and like. Well, that, I mean, I don't. The- I mean, just I think with ignorance uh-huh. comes a sense of newness and like refound. Like you understand if if you find ignorance, you there's something that you know now. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're different now because of it. Yeah. Um. And I guess I had never even thought about the. I was just thought there was some the uh the un, what is it the, the un, unexpected the virtue unexpected of ignorance. so and you don't expect because assume, you don't expect it when you realize that like something about you is like wrong or um is just not what it's always like yeah. what it's always been then it's got this unexpected feeling and from that point on 
it's you're completely new. And I was thinking that if that's the case and the ego has taken over, that's the rebirth of yeah, this okay, whole yeah, new that's, person. That's probably what it and is. he has, like I said, with the mask on, he looks like he even this still looks like rebirth. a bird. Yeah. yeah. And he takes and his nose looks like a yeah, beak. The point, He's got yeah. a huge nose. <laughs> yep. And you know, these like they're praying for him in Central Park, they're praying for him all over the world and lighting yeah. candles and it's gonna run in here, here, here. And he's like, This is what you wanted, right? And he's like, Yeah, I guess it's always what I want. Right. It's like I don't know, man. Yeah, <laughs> like, they, I mean, I, I it, guess yeah. uh, on paper, right? Yeah, it's I guess it's just like one of those things where it's like, did the end justify the means? Did, right. Yeah. Uh, and I guess the ending of this movie, when I mean Sam comes back and gives him a hug, that's kind of like the full arc. They're kind of mm-hmm. they're more back and in touch with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the ending of this movie, at uh, the very very end, literally last shot. Mm-hmm. Or I guess it's all one shot, but. Um, <laughs> Is you mean the beginning? Yeah, <laughs> is uh, one of the most debated because I mean, Inaritu even said like, you know, there are as many interpretations of this movie nah. as there are people in the theater, right? Um, and I think that I have had so many different thoughts about it. You know, he goes to the bathroom. The Birdman is in the is <laughs> taking a like is go, taking a piss or something like that. <laughs> he goes outside of the window. You know, he's looking up. And then you turn back and just see Sam and she looks down and then looks up and smiles and laughs. Yeah. He also laughs if you listen to it. Yeah. Like you hear him laugh. So I wasn't, I mean, obviously I love, I could love a good ambiguous ending. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are two kind of different interpretations that okay. I were, that I was thinking of. All right. Um, so it seems, so like I said, the ego, you know, took over. And then I was thinking like one, my immediate thought is like, okay, he did die. He, he jumped off. Sure. If, it's, if it's grounded in reality, like we've seen set up before, mm-hmm. he's not actually flying. He's actually, you know, dead. And maybe Sam realized that that was, you know, kind of what he wanted and that um, being away from, you know, so, like all of the uh, actual conformities of consumer culture and things like that. But then I thought, uh, I'm not really sure. But like, I think maybe Sam realized finally that he was actually, you know, free and did what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, if you do hear him laugh in there, yeah, sure. He's probably flying in his head. He is flying up there. I don't really know what actually happened to him. We, right. We we don't know, but uh, I feel like her smile. It's really like the first time we see her genuinely smile. Yeah. Uh, I think she's happy that he kind of reached this point that he always wanted to reach. Sure. Um, you know whether it's actually like you know getting his play to be seen, but like or him trying to get detached from his comic book life and trying to be actually happy with what he's doing. Yeah. But again, I'm not 100% sure. I mean, what is your interpretation of He's it? dead. <laughs> he's dead. Come on, he's dead. He has to be dead. How could anything how could it end otherwise? No, so every other time he does does something as Birdman, there is that grounded reality. Like he's flying around, oh no, he's really, he's really in a taxi cab or mm-hmm. he's up here, you know. And there's always a way, like there's always a means for him doing something that it turns out, oh, that's not what. What other way could he have gotten out the hotel or the hotel, the, the hospital <laughs> window? He jumped, and I don't know. I thought that her her smile then is not necessarily her. Maybe it's and, and you know when I got thinking about this, I thought about I thought again about some of the other things, and maybe this is just this is just synecdoche, New York, kind of coming through again. Is um, you know like maybe it's when he's when he's not there. Bear with me. When he's not there in the scenes, like maybe he's seeing like how he is assuming other people would act. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if he dies, maybe he's thinking that she would be happy for him. Like she's happier without him or that with him not there, maybe that's so maybe that's her smile. And maybe that could account for the um 
uh, the uh, that kissing scene, for example. Mm. Maybe it's like what he wanted to happen. Hmm. He wanted them to not be around. You know what I mean? Him. Maybe this is what they, he was just in that room and he saw them in there. Maybe he just like was like he doesn't want the, his girlfriend anymore. And he was he thought maybe that's what would be some reaction. I don't know if there's any gra- basis to that. And maybe I'm mixing synecdoche <laughs> because a lot of synecdoche is like. Uh, and this is another reason you should go back and watch it. Um, and you'll notice most of ninety percent of that movie, ninety all that entire movie, in the th- in the in the theater things are are it's all just the way he sees things. Mm-hmm. It's it's like other people will experience things, but if he's not there, you realize this is just how um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character would just perceive them experience it, experiencing those things without mm-hmm. him. It's all what he is, would assume. So maybe that's something that's that going feels, on in this Birdman I, thing. That feels more like synecdoche than it does Birdman I, yeah, I for so. me, I personally. So. I'm I, I, can, I could get behind him being dead. Like, I could get behind that. Sure. Like, just like, yeah. Okay, and so. she, maybe she realizes that he's happier. Like, this is mm-hmm. the, what this was always leading to, too. I mean, yeah. obviously, she wouldn't want him dead, but, you know. Yeah, I don't but, know. like, better than having to constantly feel like he has to prove himself yeah. to be successful yeah <laughs> that's what happens um because because you know that realization's there too he got what he wanted and mm-hmm. was it worth it yeah no jump <laughs> <laughs> straight to the point yeah come on get out of there <laughs> um let's wrap it up but i want to i want to finish with this question Uh-oh. that i always try and pose okay. for all these episodes um so why <laughs> so this movie we've talked you know We've talked so much. We've talked a lot about it. Um, and you say at this point, you know, you hate movies. Why is this? <laughs> I don't hate no. movies. But okay. <laughs> like, I know. Why is this I movie? Only said that. <laughs> no, it's why is this movie um, one that stands out among others that you've seen, I guess, in this decade, mm-hmm. or just one that stands out in your mind um, among the rest that, you, like, just in general that you've seen? And how does it add <clears throat> to, like, your enjoyment and um, love of the medium? Yeah. I uh, um, I have a very I I I've grown to have an awful cynical view of movies because I just uh, I mean that sounds awful that sounds horrible <laughs> to say I because I hate movies no mm-hmm. I like because I'm and I, I don't go to see movies enough anymore but I I am I'm tainted by this concept that there's there's so much rehashing going on I mean there mm-hmm. is a lot of rehashing going on. not to say that like remakes or superhero movies aren't good. But they are uh, they're It's the same thing. I, I feel like I never see anything unique. So I are, I have this I have this cynical view of movies, and I have for a while. And I've conti- I've had it probably for since around the superhero trend started. You know what I mean? It, which again, I shouldn't I shouldn't constantly shit on superhero movies. But like, but I, I you know what I mean? I just want to see unique movies. Mm. And this was a unique movie. It was a, it's a, it's it's unique. It's bold. It's got a it's got a good story, which is core. But it also has really unique cinematography, and it has uh, um, awesome acting. I mean, it's, it's. I'd be hard pressed to find a movie in the last, I don't know, decade, like we said. I mean, other than the, I guess the ones that you probably specifically listed that are this unique. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm. And and good. Yeah. Not just unique. Not just like independent or or like, you know, experimental in some regard. But but unique and still. Oh yeah. You, know, you don't see blockbusters that aren't. Um superhero now yeah and i hate that mm. you know and i and i and it, i i feel like it goes back to, goes to this like nobody's willing to throw money at something that's even remotely risky mm-hmm. you know what i mean like yeah. i don't know if you have I, to constantly prove it like what if if these actors weren't on board like in this film i don't think this film gets made 
You know, they, I, I think it could now. get made. I don't think it would be as seen as it was. Because, I mean, like... You think in th- 2019, without these actors, that this film... It could get made yeah, in some Hollywood way. Gets, I don't think it gets made in the way that we it, saw it. I don't yeah. think it's going to get that... That Well, maybe it has the director, but it's not going to get... Um, you know, might not get the big studio like yeah. Fox Searchlight. It's not going to get, you know... I'd um, be curious to see how this, this was picked up. Because, mm-hmm. I don't know... If it was written and then, I don't know who, who I don't even know who wrote it. Maybe well, I should look that in up. Well, Inuritu and three other people wrote okay, it. Okay, so, all right. So, uh, were the actors picked up, in, in, you know, before the They had, the studios, um, they like, had the actors in mind. Did as they? they? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the I, I feel like because Hollywood is so skittish that they probably wouldn't have put anything into it until they had the guaranteed awesome actors maybe i mean i could be totally wrong i just you know i, I i'm so cynical about you know <laughs> that stuff you know yeah um for me i don't know if even if that answered your question no it, no it's no it did it did <laughs> but that's why i love birdman no, yeah. josh that's why <laughs> i love birdman like i said it's one of my favorites just because it's one that and even this this most recent viewing even proved it it was like every time i go back i find something new there were so many new things i found um in in this watching or in this rewatch than I ever did um and it's just also something that it has a lot to say there's a lot of different themes in there that all kind of work interwoven with each other it's also just damn entertaining and yeah it's funny it's really heartfelt and the one the one thing that I personally the big takeaway that I do that kind of adds to my it's like a really great theater movie there aren't many good theater movies i mean we have musical movies but like there's no movies that are set in the theater that can be this enjoyable right. and we don't see those that often and like i said i like grew up in the theater and i just love um you know there's a lot of things in there that i like i understand because i did theater and it's mm-hmm. such a great place and it uses it utilizes the space super well with the cinematography and it puts to bed one of these like lies that i mentioned earlier that i hear in film school all the time is that you know film is a visual medium don't have too much dialogue because then it turns into theater. And I hate that. Who says I, that? I've heard, I've had several oh my professors God. tell that to me. What? And I hate it. And this is one of the reasons it's like this movie and, um, and like stuff by Sorkin because of so much dialogue and yeah. how fast and like how interesting it is. It makes a good movie. Yeah. And like they can be, they can like mesh together like really well. And this is like a prime example. I feel. Absolutely. Because I mean, and you don't need, there aren't a whole lot of really big over the top um, visual cues or holding shots. Cause I mean, like I said, it's always moving like a theatrical performance Yeah, that it, you know, it makes it a very different experience. Mm-hmm. And it's one that I just feel like every, like everyone should see because of that. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, like I said, I hate when people tell me that, and this is like, this just proves that wrong yeah, because it can work for sure. And uh, I will, I will, I love coming back to this movie. <laughs> it's, it, like you said, it's a fun watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, all things aside, all themes aside, and all analyzing aside, like it's, if I would be, it, it'd be hard to find somebody that wouldn't just like mm-hmm. watching it. It's yeah. fun to watch, you know. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, no problem, man. <laughs> I wanted to make sure I. Oh, did you stop recording? No, no. Oh, my bad. I want to make sure I did this before you know you get too big and you get Scorsese. And <laughs> I, just want, I want to be like. I want to say like, I got to do. Frankly, I love movies before, you know, the big names that are coming here. <laughs> All right, thanks. Thanks Chris. for having me, man. It's fun. All right, that does it for this episode of Frankly, I Love Movies. Thank you, Chris Keedy, for coming on. Been trying to get him on for over a year now, and I'm happy we finally did it. This podcast was produced by Sullivan Harris, who also did the artwork for Season 2. 
If you like this, please make sure to subscribe, leave a comment. You can go follow us on social media on Twitter at frankly underscore podcast. Uh, frankly, I love movies on Facebook. And you can follow me on Instagram at joshvelljosh21 for more fantastic updates about myself and what's going on in my life. And as always, be sure to tune in in two weeks for another episode of the podcast talking about a special movie with a special guest. And until then, I'm Josh Wall. And frankly, I love movies. Thank you.